So, 809, on your mark, get set, go. Welcome, everyone. You are listening to another episode of That Record Got Me. Hi, that is Barry Stock over there. And that is Rob Elba. Over here. And uh, we're, I, wasn't uh, go- I wasn't going for it. You tried to throw me a ball. I, mean, like, no, I, tried, I just let it I fall tried. in the field. That's all right. Uh, we're still we're still very happy to have you all with us again another week. Uh, how's everything going, Barry? Is everything uh, calming down now in uh, in Hollywood? Yeah, my fu- <laughs> how are things in Hollywood? Yeah, my fucking air conditioner was broken last night, so it was um, uh, a little bit uh, sweaty around here. But they came and they fixed it. I think. Oh, good. Luckily, it's been it's been not bad out though, so it wasn't yeah. that bad, right? So I know you're. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. No, it was guy. fine. It was we had the windows open and we could hear fucking traffic all night and stupid assholes partying in the street, but because it's Hollywood. Uh, so Matthew, what's the, what's the what's the weather like where you are? Oh geez. Okay, so pretty much just rain all the time. Oh yeah, you're in Oregon. Where are you in Oregon? Yeah, I'm in uh, Milwaukee, Oregon. Milwaukee is where you where you move to when when the rents get too high in Portland. Uh-huh. Ah, all right. Good to know. Good to know one day. Uh, actually, so this other voice speaking, I guess, Barry, we should introduce him proper. This is our this is our guest. Uh, let's welcome to the show Mr. Matthew uh, uh, Kenneth. So two first names right there, Matthew and Kenneth. Um, welcome to the show, Matthew. Happy to be here. Thank you. <laughs> now, Barry, I mean, Barry, Matthew, me and Barry were chatting a little when you we, we lost you for a second. We were wondering, sometimes we, we we have guests and we book them way in advance. So we were, we were wondering, uh, what's your story, Matthew? Because <laughs> we have no, we can't remember. We think we met you through Steve Michener. Is that correct? Uh, oh, gosh. So I've been... Oh my God! I want to say like long time listener, first time caller, so bad. But oh, nice! Yeah. Do it! No, right. say it. That's great. I, I guess I already did. Yeah. So I mean, I sort of stumbled on, I stumbled on the, you know, your guys's thing. It might have been Steve, posting uh, about it, um, and then me checking it out. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking. I'm kind of thinking is when he, didn't he do one a long time ago, maybe like a yeah. couple years ago? Oh, God. Yeah. He's done so no, many. It was the <laughs> one before Roxy Music. It was. Uh, he did. Uh, oh, okay. I think, he, I think he did a go-betweens. He did that. That was yes. it. I think that was the uh, go-betweens was the one before. Yeah. Sorry. That's my phone. That's um, okay. Ignore yeah, it. We're so more I important. I think he did a go-betweens and then that was on my that was on my radar and then i i checked it out okay so and, uh, yeah. you're a fan you're a fan of the show and now yeah, you're a guest a on the show all right not no about, not, yeah, not, not just movie. a fan not just a no no not just a fan though that's our our fans are our bread and butter uh, bread and butter right barry that's right not just a fan <laughs> our fans are our bread and butter what but what, <laughs> what else what else is what else is our bread and butter rob well, our re- you know, super fans, like really good fans, become patrons of our show, uh, like our newest patron, Mr. Todd Phillips, who has been a guest on the show uh, a couple times. Great guest. And Mr. Todd Phillips has become, he's uh, pulled the trigger and became a patron of the show by going to uh, patreon.com forward slash TRGMH. And there you can pick a very reasonable offer for supporting Rob and I on a monthly basis. 
Yes, and we really appreciate it. But we appreciate all our fans, including Matthew. So, uh, so Matthew, I was, I what was, did you bring? I was somewhat I, – I paused there because I was trying to think about if you could pick a different analogy than pull the trigger. <laughs> oh, uh, I know. Well, it's these times. It's the times. It is. Um, okay. Uh, so Matthew, what did you bring? What did you bring? Hopefully to talk about that will take us out of what's been going on in the world lately. Uh, what are we going to talk about tonight? Yeah. So, um, I've been a big fan of this record for a lot of years. Um, it's, uh, Peter Frampton. I'm inside. You. <laughs> ah. Finally, yeah. someone did it with yeah. conviction, Barry. That was yeah. good. Right, they did. <laughs> you know, I mean, right. the herd, the herd. You know, the herd's okay. Right. Uh, Frampton's camel. Pie, yeah, right. Humble whatever. Pie, right. My money's on Peter Frampton solo. So, <laughs> uh, oh, it, it was nice. I see we're out of time, Matthew. It was great having you on. You were great. Really great. Uh, seriously. Seriously, now, what are we okay, talking about? So, um, I'm bringing to you uh, the church heyday. Excellent. There you go. And I must say uh, that I was I was prepared to not like this record, and I ended up enjoying it way, really, way more was, than I thought I was than I than I originally thought I was. In fact, I actually like some of the material a lot. Yeah, you know, I was wondering, Barry, because I kind of, even though I was already kind of a fan of the church, but I knew mostly, you know, they're more well-known songs. And, and at one point I may have owned the next record. Starfish was the next one after the this, biggie, right? Right, the biggie. That had the big breakout hit under the Milky Way. Uh, so I, I was a casual fan, but I had never really heard this record. And at first I'm thinking, oh, uh, I'm thinking, ah, it's kind of boring. And Barry's going to think it's real boring. Yeah. But after a couple, I'm listening to it and you get into it mm -hmm. and you realize it's really good. It's very. It's just. Uh, all right. So, what is it? What is it about that that you love about this record? What What grabbed you on this record, Matthew? Um. Okay. Well, so I heard it in college, uh, like right when it came out. Okay, um, so that's uh, 85, 1985. 1985. Yeah, and um, you know, it it was. It was the kind of album, you know, you would listen to when you were imbibing. Something. Yeah, sure. Yes, for yeah. sure. It's got nice textures. Yeah, it's, it's, it's music you can touch. It's very uh, synesthesia. Yeah. Is the word? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. I mean, there's a That's lot nice. of like, there's a lot of, um, for me, when I listen to it, I, I, I have, it's kind of a psychedelic record for me. Yeah. And, you know, there's been comparisons to Love Forever Changes. Oh, actually. there you go. Oh, yeah, yeah coincidentally, funny. that would, should be the album, the episode before it, this one. It will. should be that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this Saturday, yeah. That record is okay. uh, what we're doing. So, um, so yeah. So know, it's, I like to think of this record as sort of like, um, kind of almost like a Paisley Underground record. Yeah. Except that, you know, the church were from thousands of miles from where you know paisley underground was happening but i i feel like they sort of you know get should should be mentioned in that sort of i don't know idiom or whatever yeah sure know? yeah no i mean i it, think it's... yeah they, they were considered in that in that uh for sure um in that whole psychedelic uh, 80s, especially, you know, the bands at that time, if, you know, just looking at the album cover and looking how they're dressed, <laughs> you, yeah. could, you know, it's got that vibe. Yeah. And there's a lot of um, the lot of influences I pick up in there are 
um, sort of their kinsmen, you know, in time there. Uh, obviously, they're doing jangly pop. Uh, uh, REM is going to be uh, going to be in there, and some yep. some psych furs and some Echo and the Bunnymen. Echo and the Bunnymen. Um, the textures and stuff. You too. Yeah, you too. You a, big, too a biggie went in there. Sure. But all of these songs are, you know, these songs are really strong and really carefully crafted. And yes, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a good. Uh, yeah, carefully crafted is for sure because the whole record is very, you could tell, very meticulously recorded and yeah. made, and it gives it a very pretty, lush, you know, sound. Yeah. Right. Oh, it's 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 incredibly lush. I mean, it's it's. You know, it's kind of like I, I liken it to, um, you know, when you film something and you put cheesecloth over the uh, yeah over the lens yeah. or Vaseline yeah, yeah. over the lens. There's kind of a smeary kind of um, like it puts you in this sort of sleepy, hazy kind of uh, state of mind. It's it's yeah. like, you know, it's got a lot of instrumentation that didn't you know, didn't make it any appearance on any like previous church album. So they just kind of threw it all in. It's very ambitious in scope, very epic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, and, and it also has that eighties, uh, that eighties sheen over it as well. It, it you could definitely the, tell the, it was the, 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 the digital reverb looms large in there. Um, right. And also the, um, it was the first record where, um, Steve Kilby, who was the who's the uh, you're gonna say the main guy from the church, yeah, the bass right. player singer. Um, he claims that he was tired of writing all the songs, and so he um, the band cooperated and um, wrote some of this as group efforts, and um, that certainly uh, you know seems to have produced a, 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 a an album that has a, a much more um, varied content and uh, um, even people said his vocals sounded better apparently because he had um, stopped drinking and doing drugs before the uh, taking uh, better care of himself yeah because his I mean his voice is a big part of the church because that's what I first I mean I, I remember hearing on college radio the unguarded moment which was their first hit on their first record uh, also, we didn't mention they're from Australia, right? Uh, Sydney, New, Australia. Oh, they're from Sydney. Oh, yeah, yeah, they are. I thought they were in New Zealand. I'm an idiot. Sorry. Yeah. That's all right. Close, I'm, you know, I'm looking at the word <laughs> Australian on my screen. I'm going, they're from New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> um, but his voice, that deep, he's got that deep uh, voice. And it's just very, you know, you hear it and you know uh, immediately it's them. And, and much like uh, Ian McCulloch and Echo and the Bunnyman, it sort of sets them apart and gives it all kind of a moodiness too you know i call it i call it a, a laconic croon yeah 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 yes. sure yeah for sure he isn't screaming he isn't doing any screaming or anything yeah. at all yeah. Well, yeah actually so on this album there is a little bit more of this thing happening uh with steve kilby's uh vocals where he alternates back and forth between the 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 laconic sort of um, croon that sort of matches the, the, the lyrics really well. It's kind of, you know, dis, disengaged sort of, you know, observer of 
of things. Yeah. And then and then he'll go into a sort of a, a little bit of a shouty part where, you know, a little bit more um I don't know, where where he's 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 there's not a huge difference between the two, but it's just enough. <laughs> he's he's uh, pushing it a little. Just to, just, to, just to throw another Australian name in there, he goes into a little more of like a midnight oil mode. Who were yeah, a little bit. Who around there bit. at the same time? Just the, the kind of like here, here's here's this part of the song where the lyrics take a bit of a, a turn, and I'm I'm getting a little bit shouty with it. Yeah, and you know the way they recorded this and wrote. Well, the way they recorded the album and wrote the songs, they were written live. So the, the songs came from them rehearsing, jamming together as a band versus Steve Kilby, uh, you know, re- right. recording himself. Yeah. And, you know, on a four track, instead, they 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 wrote it together as a band in rehearsals as jam sessions. And so the the, the more shouty Steve Kilby parts of the of the songs, I would imagine, you know, come kind of organically from how the songs probably took shape when they when they right. rocked them out in this practice space. I, I imagine a practice space or whatever. But right, right, and this uh, this this idea of the um, group composition aspect apparently came to uh, a head. Um, I'll just read from the what I'm looking at. Despite the increased amount of studio collaboration on Heyday between the members, while the band was on tour in April 1986 to support the album, uh, Marty Wilson Piper suddenly quit mid-tour after rising in band tensions. On July 10th, uh, the ch- church performed as a three-piece in Hamburg, Germany. Wilson Piper returned within a week after Kilby agreed that future releases would contain more group efforts. So it sounds like <laughs> right. it sounds like Kilby might have started to um, decided that he wanted to regain control of the songwriting, uh, and um, it did not. It someone someone went on strike and it worked. So it was it was a contentious. They had a contentious relationship, and he's not in the band anymore. Marty Wilson Piper is not in. Once again, he is not in the band. Right. Okay. Well, so okay, I reached out to two members of the church uh, via Facebook Messenger. Okay. And uh, and I got some responses. I I actually. Um, Restraining to- order? <laughs> did you did you get a restraining order or <laughs> no? <laughs> oh, okay. I was, I kept it. You know, I kept my my fanboy inclinations kind yeah. of in check. Yeah. Oh, good, good. You know, I, I had a I had a job to do. You know, I had to get to the bottom of what what made this record so great. You know. Oh, so what'd you um, find out? Well, I reached out to Peter Copps, and um, he responded, and and I thought this was kind of juicy, not exactly, you know, just pulled from the internet kind of thing. He said, Heyday was the first album with mostly co-written songs because I said I couldn't afford to be in the band if uh, the band recoup yeah. recording and video costs under the new record business system. Yeah. Unless right. we shared composer royalties which were almost twice as much as the whole band would receive for artist royalties. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. And this, this comes up, this has been an issue we've talked about m- many times on the show. Is oh, that, yeah, it's a huge thing with bands. 
and it breaks up bands and it ruins relationships. Yeah, permanent. well, they it, it was rough. The next record, like I was saying, the next record they had that breakout hit under the Milky Way, and that was a very contentious thing because actually uh, um, Steve Kilby wrote that with his then girlfriend at the time. So you can imagine that was their hit. They get yeah, it's just hard for bands. You know, the best things uh, bands could do is just split everything equally among all the members. Just makes it more fair. You know, everyone's involved. Uh, but you know, that's not how it always works. No. Um, well, so who actually, else? Go ahead. A song Go. on this record. We'll get to it later. There's a song on this record uh, that he co-wrote with her as well. I see. Yeah, I'm looking. At, yeah. I see the songwriting credit. So yeah. who else did you? Who else did you talk to, Matthew? You got. I you also talked to. Talked to uh, I talked to Richard Plug. Oh, nice. And what and do you have to say? He <laughs> sums up. He sums up the the making of this record as collectively a very positive unity a joyous time oh, good. oh that's nice well i'll tell you what yeah. he is he is a great drummer and uh it definitely shows on this uh he's just there's some you know it's very uh it, it, it's very uh, it's not flashy or anything but it fits the music great and there's just some great uh, drum sounds and uh it's really good so well he, i like him proofs in I the like pudding his drumming to uh, actually the drummer for Pink Floyd. Ah. Not early Pink Floyd, but later Pink Floyd. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that, yeah. Drumming that just serves the song and nothing else. Yeah. Right, which is something you know that sometimes that's all you could ask for, and it's and it's great, it's perfect because sometimes they need a a light when a light touch is needed, and it's and it's just perfectly uh serves the song then you know what what more are you gonna ask for nick yeah, nick, uh, like I mean, nick, richard like nick Mason, is yeah. literally right. the least flashy drummer of the 80s i mean it's 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 literally quarter notes like all the time you know no right, right. flashy fills nothing fancy it it serves the the songs perfectly and and he seems to be happy in that role and i think it's just amazing it's just yeah I'm yeah a drummer and I would always want to, you know, do something, oh, some yeah. flourish, some, some fill, yeah, something, sure. you know, to kind of put my mark on a song. He does not do that. He... Uh, oh, yeah, and there's a lot of... Democratic. Like, yeah, a lot you know, of really great drummers are great at that. They know when to just, you know, stay in the pocket and, and, and keep everything going. And, and that's the sign of a mature, great drummer sometimes, not, you know, wanting to overplay. I mean, there are some great drummers that, that play overplay as well, but, you know, it's... Uh, it's uh, it's a matter of style, but definitely uh, Richard Plug is no uh, is no piker. All right, so let's get into this record already. Let's uh, let's listen to it. I assume so. In '85, you what did you have this on? Was that uh, uh, cassettes yet, or did you still have vinyl? Was it vinyl? Actually, yeah, no. This was a, I had it on cassette, and this that's was, what I uh, thought. <laughs> yeah, I lived in a, I lived in a house. Uh, and at the University of Oregon, I, I lived in a house with like a bunch of buddies. And um, one of my roommates, who was my buddy, he had it on cassette, I believe. And it was, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, you borrow the cassette and, you know, they don't see it ever again. Kind <laughs> yeah. Of thing. yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was easy right, to nice. do with Actually, cassette. I think, I think Seance was on the other side. So you have this nice kind of like contrast um, of like, you know, the church seance on one side, which is really moody, almost kind of goth. 
And then on the other side, you had this really, you know, different sound with Heyday, which was much more textural, much more kind of, um, yeah. So I think it was a cassette tape, yeah. All right, so let's get into the very pretty, shimmery opener. Let's listen to, how is this pronounced? Mirror? Mirror. 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 Yeah. We'll listen talk about that at, at the end of the guitars but very also shimmery um fits in with the uh lyrical content as well i mean what a great build-up yeah yeah and you know and when the build-up ends you expect maybe kind of a a more like shouty vocal delivery right 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 following this build-up but what you get is just this quiet Steve Kilby croon. Yeah. Yes. He's, yes. It's like this storm around him and he's just sort of this 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 calm in this storm and sets up the whole album in that way. So there's this storm happening throughout this album. You know, let's let's look at it like a concept album, which to me, you know, I, I feel like it is. Steve Kilby is this calm in this storm. He's this detached almost like Bowie-like um, mm. observer mm. observer of, of the fallacies and intricacies of humanity. Oh, wow. And, and, <laughs> yeah, and he's just sort of this calm kind of observer, and he keeps this detachment, except when he sometimes slightly raises his voice, which is, you know, pretty infrequent. Right. But that's the beauty of this record. It never... Like it's nothing but restraint. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh. That's yeah, true. Yes. One, yes. One hundred. Very well said. Um, and and the, the lyrically, the um, myrrh is uh, if anybody who's grown up in the church 
It's a yeah, it's a Bible thing, right? Well, it's, it's, it's actually an, myrrh. Myrrh, myrrh is a, um, a plant resin that you get off a tree, and it, but it's used as a sacred um, incense in a, in, a, in 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 multiple religious cultures. It's used as a way. Right, not just Catholicism, but also Orthodoxy. Oh yeah, sure, and, and oh, okay, it, it, okay. Islam as well. Myrrh is a it's a thing anywhere that. The trees grow, and they grow um, in the in the Middle East in desert conditions. In the Middle East, and yeah. so what a what a great song to start out with, because you know, for those who know, you know, what myrrh smells like, as the song, you know, starts out and builds with all those lovely harmonics on the guitar, yes, the tremolo that 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 follows, you can almost smell it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So that that. We're, we embark on this journey of sort of synesthesia where we're smelling things, you know, like, <laughs> or we're not, are you supposed to be smelling, you know, right. myrrh? When you, that's just, you know, to me, that's just the genius of this album. Yeah. Yeah, nice. All right, so now we get uh, the next song. I, I assumed it was just like a girl's name, like a fancy it's girl's not. name, Tristesse, but it's a French, yeah, it's a French word meaning what? Uh, sadness a state of so mel- melancholy sadness then. no we do we're, we're doing it on the fly we're doing it right now <laughs> don't, don't right. be fooled let's listen to the very pretty uh very pretty tristesse I noticed he did sort of push his vocals a little in the first, uh, yeah, in that uh, in that first verse towards the uh, or the beginning of the chorus. He he did push it a little. Yeah, uh, he so that. he does. He does that throughout the album, actually. Yeah. And I love his swooping bass line. I just oh, yeah. said, I forget that he's the bass player. I always think yeah. of yeah. You, you. So rarely do you think of you know? Does that is that a thing that it, it's. Um, and to be able to, uh, and when basically they're able to play really interesting things and sing at the same time. Yeah. He's a very yeah. psychedelic bass player. His bass lines are very swoopy and like really pretty like fruity. You know? <laughs> like, okay. That's the first time way. that word I has mean, been used on this show. I can tell you in, I, yeah. well, in 61 it's episodes. It's one of my favorite words to describe bass lines. 
He is like for me like the king of fruity basslines, like basslines okay. that do more than just hold down the song, but right. like like you know basslines that are full of like juice. Ah, you know? ah, like, there you go. Like catch your ear <laughs> and you're like, what is this guy doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah you know and, I mean? and it's true. Yeah, no, it, it's great. It's it's it's. Good stuff there. And also the guitar interplay throughout. You got uh, Marty Wilson Piper and, and uh, Peter Cops, as we said. And just, you know, Barry, I also hear in this a little um, Smith. So I'm thinking at the time, yeah, uh, Johnny Marr, right. they must have. Yeah, right. Because you hear a lot of that uh, 12 string electric, but clean, you know, the clean 12 oh, yeah. string electric. Yeah, I don't think there's, is that, there may be, if there's any distortion in the guitars on this record, it's all in like a solo part. All of the guitars. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I so I talked to, you know, I talked to Peter Copps because as you know, I'm not a musician and I don't know who plays what guitar part. And the way that Peter Copps explained it, he's like, well, one of us played in the left channel and one of us played in the right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, OK. <laughs> and yeah. I thought, wow, that's a really weird way to describe like. <laughs> Yeah, but he knows he. I, that is how it goes. Like once you start mixing a record, a lot of times somebody's guitar ends up in the left channel, and somebody's yeah, guitar is in the right yeah, channel. Peter's going to be in the left, <laughs> and it's it, it it just once you get it working, um, it just tends to stay that way unless there's some compelling reason to change it. Um, I was listening to <laughs> you guys are going to kill me for going in this direction, but. But while we were I was setting up the recording equipment, I was playing um, that song "Lit Up" by um, what are they called? The band? Um, what's the fucking band? It's about cocaine. Um, lit up by uh, Grateful Dead? No, hell no. Um, it was. <laughs> oh, no, you talking about Buck Cherry? Buck Cherry, yeah. It's. I was. Whoa. I had that going in my headphones because I gotta set. I have to set levels and stuff, and the guitars are. Exact. And you do it to Cherry, huh? Yeah, sure. And you do it to Buck Cherry. Well, I did okay. it this time. That's the only Buck Cherry song I own. I actually bought that song. Um, and really, because okay. when you want to, when you want to hear lit up, you want to hear lit up. And so, but okay. the guitars are heavy all the way. One is all the way left, and one is all the way right, and they are. That's the way. It, that's the way it is. It's like uh-huh. you just cr- crank one all over the left and one all over the right, and um, then they, you know, they they um, can play off each other in that way. But it's it's a rock and roll thing we're used to hearing. Um, best well, eat- here's the other thing I want to mention. So Tristess, I looked it up. Like you guys talked about, a state of melancholy sadness, lamenting a lost love. He leaves us poised at the lip of a chasm of tristesse. That's that's yeah. from the internet. Yeah, right. But so, here's, but I- here's that great here's that great trope in uh, music, where the the um, what am I thinking of? What's the word? Uh, the tristesse is this like uh, state of melancholy sadness, but the but the song itself is pretty uplifting. So the contrast between uh, yeah, right. Right. The subject matter yeah, yeah, yeah. and the actual like chords right. and arrangement. Oddly that enough, that tension between the yeah. joy and sadness is 
again, a great, uh, a great. Well, that um, came up last week, talking about oddly enough, "Love Forever Changes," where a lot of the songs have this bright, sort of sweetness to them, and the yeah, lyrics, the lyrics, and the lyrics are, downer, are dark as fuck. Which, right. and, and until you sit down and examine the lyrics, you might think, "Oh, he's singing this. These all these really." pretty right. um, lyrics and he's not um but the music yeah i mean you would think the red telephone is a song about an actual red telephone <laughs> and then you read the lyrics and you're like wait a minute yeah. this is about the freaking you know nuclear war doomsday yeah exactly metal. yeah exactly the, um, the but he does no and, and he does many of his lyrics are meant to be more e- e- evocative he has said that you know himself that they're not all you know sometimes he, he said oh i don't even know what it means but it's they're just i like the sound of it yeah. or they're evocative but he does have some really great lyrics in here i love uh, in this song where he says your children cannot hear you they only want your loot you hold on to their essence like a parachute <laughs> uh that's just so, i just love that i think that's a great absolutely. line absolutely how can such obtuse lyrics be so catchy yeah, 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 yeah. yeah well, yeah, he's, he's really good at that. He's very, yeah, he's very good. It is a gift. And this next song here, again, also the lyrics very evocative, but also uh, strong. This song, this next song is the first one that really grabbed me. The me chorus too. in this song yeah. is so good. Yeah. Let's listen to Already Yesterday. Across from one channel into the other, it sort of drifts as he's playing the echo. Um, super cool, and um, a great uh, pair of lines in here. We don't feel those locks and chains. We won't listen to the lizard part of our brains giving the orders. yes. Um, That's great. That is great. I always talk. Uh, 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 about the lizard brain and people don't listen to your lizard brain and uh, yeah that's a great line yeah that's really good my favorite part of this song is when um the the swell of like organ jingle bells 80s keyboard and then like that (laughs) organ organ. and then the bridge 
You guys got to play that bridge, though. That bridge is so nice. Well, it's only it'll be, um, it'll be underneath. It'll be up underneath. Yeah, barely underneath. I think with that ringing twelve string, and who else in the '80s played, you know, twelve string so aggressively besides Peter Buck? I mean, that twelve string is overdriven. Yeah, yeah. It's um, you know, they there's uh, a twelve string guitar. It requires a certain um, amount of finessing to make it sound good. Um, so you right, can't, yeah, right, you can't right. just whack at it and have it sound good. Um, and wh- whoever's playing the 12 string on this uh, uh, did a fantastic job. Well, finesse, the okay. whole thing is about I finesse. Exactly yeah. who played 12 string. Who was it? And I, I feel like I need to share this. Okay, so um, hold on. I, you know, I'm literally looking at what Peter Cop, uh, Cops wrote me here. Oh, look at you. You guys are like best friends now. Right. <laughs> okay. 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 So I said to him, I was asking earlier about who played all the 12 string on Heyday. Okay. Peter said Marty. And I said, I don't recall there being so much 12 string on previous albums. Peter said, Burns 12-string in a few first album, but definitely Rickenbacker featured on all other albums. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Well, yeah, so he he probably got a Rickenbacker. He said, hey, this sounds nice. You know, we're going to use it, right? Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. I mean, this is not Peter Buck playing 12-string guitar as produced by, you know. Mitch um, Easter, right, yeah, yeah. Joe Boyd. Right, 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 right. exactly. Although... There this is, is not a, your yeah, grandma's. Okay. This is not your grandma's folksy, folksy twelve string. This is like overdriven twelve string, which gives it like this it is. other like quality. Right, because they're using the effects, yeah, that they would use like in uh, maybe like uh, Adam Franklin in Swerve Driver or something like that. It's yeah. got that yeah. like yeah, soaring yeah, yeah. Yes. sound like that, but are you doing it with a twelve string? So yes, yeah, yeah. This is this is this is like yeah. This is um. God, I'm forgetting the 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 genre this is shoegaze 12 string yeah it is and you know and it's funny that was the thing that when you read about them they sort of skirted that they were known you know as sort of like one of these new one of the paisley under the new psychedelic bands but then also the, a lot of some of their stuff uh could fit in with the shoegaze stuff too so it is quite a uh, yeah, bit shoegaze for sure where where you don't know where one instrument starts and the other one ends. yes like yes and and that's great it's very yeah. Appeal, it's very appealing to listen to. All right, it's so let's. It's a wall uh, of sound. It's a wall of sound. It is, but it's a wall of like very beautiful, very sound. beautiful sound. All right, so let's. Uh, we're about halfway. Let's take a little break. I think I need. How are you doing with your Smirnoff? How are you? Uh, how are you holding up? <laughs> oh me? Yeah. Oh no no no! <laughs> I'm not drinking Smirnoff. I'm drinking I... uh, Polish vodka. Oh, oh, okay. You just said vodka. Oh, you saw the vodka, so it was vodka, but not smart. Oh, okay. What, what, what brand of Polish vodka? This is the the one I can't pronounce, and I'm going to make my way down the stairs here. <laughs> okay. On. Well, let, no. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. We'll and come when you back. We'll get that vodka. Polish name. vodka, and we'll get you. And you have you better pronounce it like perfectly, like a Polish person. <laughs> sure. People will let us know. All right. We'll be back in a minute. I can pronounce it right now. It's Manapalova. Oh. All right. That sounds pretty good. I, yeah. All right, so we'll be back. We're talking to Matthew Kenneth about the church. Hey, we'll be back in a minute.
what a year it's been. Right, you know what I mean. We, here at that record got me high, have been in the same boat. However, we would like to express our sincere gratitude to our generous patrons, and to our sponsors Woody Compton and Kelly Shane of the long-running webcomic Is This Tomorrow. Each week they come up with some highly entertaining topical commentary, sometimes featuring a familiar-looking character, wearing a smelly, itchy bear costume. They're our sole commercial sponsor, and, we owe them a debt of gratitude. Thanks Woody, and thanks Kelly, that's it, until next week, of course. Visit isthistomorrow.com and show your support, isthistomorrow.com. I go there and I'm there for quite a few hours and I pull a lot of like vintage stereo stuff um, out of those things. And I sell vintage stereo stuff online on Facebook marketplace, on OfferUp, on eBay, on Craigslist. Oh, right. You have that group. You have the vintage stereo. Uh, yeah. Page I heart on... stereos. There we go. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Are we all ready? Yeah. I, mean, I, I didn't tell you guys I'm here with, a, I'm, uh, my, I have a friend with me here tonight. I have a Vintner, um, Mark West is here tonight, and he's brought me a delicious bottle of Pinot Noir from his uh, <laughs> collection. Your bottle? Are you going to drink the bottle all by yourself? It's half empty now. What does that tell you? Okay. No. <laughs> half full. It's half full. No judgment. No judgment here. All right. <laughs> let's do this. We are back. This is That Record Got Me High. We are talking to you, Matthew Kenneth, about the church heyday, and we're on song number four. Let's listen to... Columbus. The king had something changed within him. I should have told him no. Oh, Columbus, I never should have let you go. Now, aching wires, midnight fires, things I could not know. Oh, Columbus, I never should have let you go. You don't suppose that the room in here somewhere for me. I think I just need someone's words to reassure me. I don't blame any of you. Oh, Columbus, 
What's he? What's he on about here? Did you? Can you decipher this? Um, we were hoping you could. Uh, <laughs> I got nothing well, either. <laughs> here's here's the thing. I'm not like a huge. Actually, I'm not a huge lyrics person. Okay. Um, I was a dance music DJ for like ah, ten years. Okay. Where the, the lyrics are really yeah not you know the most important part of the music. Right. Like, Shake that thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Well, and then I went back to being a rock and roll DJ. Rock and roll was, you know, my first love. But I will say, though, um, the first song I ever fell in love with that I ever heard on the radio uh, in 1977, 78 or something, getting up in the morning, yeah. Cold winter Minnesota, getting mm. ready for school, third grade, fourth grade, was Steely Dan Peg. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. What so a song. the first FM radio song that I ever fell in love with was Peg, which is really arguably kind of a dance song, really. Yeah, sure. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah. 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 It's got some fun. So <laughs> my first favorite ever song I heard on the radio was basically kind of a dance song. So who really cared about the lyrics then at that point? You know, if that's, that's true. If you're just kind of riding on, you know, I didn't even know, you know, Peg, it's your favorite foreign movie. <laughs> I heard it's your favorite funny movie. Oh yeah, me too, of course. I didn't know, you know yeah, I didn't know what they were I saying. Was, I don't know how old I was, but I was mishearing lyrics and it didn't matter because I was riding on the, the, the the vibe of the song, do you know what I mean? Absolutely. So, right. so let's go when with to, when it comes to Steve Kilby's obtuse lyrics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's you go with have to no take it somewhat literally. So he's he's sort of like you know, um, he's sort of like this is where we're at now. You know, in 1985, isn't it crazy where we're at? It's crazy, right? Columbus, check uh, this out. Okay, I got you. I got you. I understand. Aren't we in such a state now? Like, you know, we've got this and that and the other thing. Okay. You know, I mean, of course, it got even crazier, you know, after 1985. <laughs> yeah. But here's a snapshot. I think Stephen Kilby is sort of giving of, like, what's going on and, like, you know, the in 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 this modern era well yeah it's expressing some 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 the king is expressing some reservations about having turned columbus loose on the new world oh uh, oh perfect thank you wow right. it's sort of this sighing melancholy it's like look what we've wrought upon you know the earth yeah. it's like can we undo this? Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if we can. Just, just, yeah. uh, just for um, clarity's sake, I'm going to say that neither the king and nor Columbus ever thought anything like that. But it's 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 a great it's a great uh, just like Shakespeare's characters. Shakespeare's historical plays have virtually nothing to do with what happened. Um, neither did the king nor Columbus care one damn thing about what they did. They were greedy, power hungry monsters. Um, right. But, and so we get more of the Stephen Kilby sort of detached 
outsider observer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Look, look what we have wrought upon, you know, humankind. Yeah. And I love the, it's the first song, I believe, that's in a minor key. Sound. So, look at yeah. you. Yeah. I thought you weren't a musician. Look at you he throwing out all these stuff. musical Well, <laughs> I played clarinet for 10 years. Oh, uh, okay. Wow. And the a piano, real, a real, a real I mean, Goodman we got here. Aggressive piano, and the jingle bells, okay, and the imagery, and that right. sort of melancholy. We have sort of an '80s melancholy song, very much. But instead of it being about my feelings, it's about something like more uh, cosmic and more universal. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, yep. I, I, I'll tell my story now. Um, I did deal have to deal with the church personally one time. There was a tour, um, an odd tour, where um, it was three band. They, they were touring together. Was um, Tom Verlaine was the opener, and he was playing acoustic guitar, and um, Peter Murphy was next. And then there was the church because they were had a big hit at the time. It was 1988 or 89. And um, I had to, I was working for Student Campus Entertainment. And for whatever reason, my job that day was just to make sure that the food for the bands got presented to them so that they could eat. And I remember setting up the food. It was Chinese food. They'd ordered Chinese food. And um, I didn't find out why until a few minutes later, but I was setting up the Chinese food and I believe it was Steve Kilby came up and he said, I want this food with meat in it moved away totally from my food. I am a <laughs> vegan. And I was Wait, like, he was back then? He, he was vegan? There were, there were vegans back there then? Were, there were vegans back then. And oh. so I was like, okie dokie. And I slid it down the table. And that was my only interaction with them, but um, they okay. he, did, he did not seem happy, and they did not seem happy in 1988 uh, or 89. They were um, well, yeah, because some idiots putting meat near there. <laughs> where, where, where he's a I'm vegan. just gonna <laughs> say it, it wasn't it wasn't that. Um, okay. They were already not Here, happy. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna chalk it up to. I don't think the church ever really loved touring uh, or playing live. Okay. Because this is a band that made really good records and crafted really good records and probably didn't really relish the idea of going on the Trying road. Trying to uh, recreate that night after night. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. Because I, I, I did see, I saw them once uh, sometime and it was later, it was like in the 90s. And uh, they were good. I mean, they, they sounded good. They were very passable, but they didn't seem like they were enjoying it that much. Yeah, I don't think they ever enjoyed playing live. Right, I mean, right, I right. think that, you know, when you're the church and your albums only sell so many copies, yeah, you know, you have to, you have to do the tour spiel. Yeah, yeah. and if you're just you know, not, yeah, either you're, and, you know, you're into you know, it or you're not. From, to borrow from, you know, Mike Watt and Dee Boone, you know, they had to do the tour spiel. And I don't think they like doing the tour spiel, honestly. No, they well, say no I, I was going to bring up one other thing here because in the early... Um, 1990s. It says in 1990, Kilby began to use heroin around the time of his girlfriend Karen Jansen's pregnancy. And so um, this was 1989, probably, when I was dealing with them. And I wondered whether 
there might have been some um, some substances that were uh, causing unhappiness with the group already by that point. Well, that's uh, speculative. That's highly speculative, but uh, could be, could be. Yeah. Uh, it, it wouldn't be a. It wouldn't be the first time. It wouldn't be a surprise. Well, here's here's where you know, here's where sort of my like weird fanboy brain like come comes into play, where I would be like, Stephen, you don't need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know what? You don't need to do that. I mean, just just say no. Right. You know, yeah. not because, not because, you know, not because we, our president says say no, but just, mm. you know, say no. It's just say not no. Good well, yeah, if you're going to uh, pick a drug, if you're think, pick a drug not to do say, Steve, heroin, heroin is one artist. of them. You don't need to mess with that. Just yeah. come on. But he's still around now. He's making music. I think he's yeah, doing well. No, so he I seems, have a feeling he he's all great. cleaned up now. Yeah. Yeah. He, up and he got through it. That's great. He did. Actually, when I, I ran into, I saw some like Steve Kilby, like, stuff on uh when i was doing my research for for you guys i was seeing some old grizzled happy middle-aged steve kilby stuff on youtube and it just really made me happy i mean the oh, guy good. is still around yeah and you know god bless the guy i mean seriously yeah yeah he got, right, he so got through it he got through it he did get through it and he's still making music and what more can you ask for all right so now we get let's listen to a little bit of the in, uh, instrumental they have one instrumental kind of a meandering instrumental i don't know not my favorite on the record but um oh cinematic meandering <laughs> when, when to me it was about this album very cinematic no counts my friend okay all right let's listen to happy hunting ground It has that little thick part, and then it goes into a different type part. So cinematic, very cinematic, but like cinematic of a slow. It's got a dub bass line. I indie, mean, I, it seems like indie film. Seems like the dub bass line probably was where it started, and they wanted to do something with that, and that's how you end up with an instrumental like that because I've got this dub bass line, um, and dub was still, you know, P.I.L. Um, 
and that stuff was around and had influenced a lot of people. So um, I think that's how you end up with a sort of um, minimalist instrumental. Uh, uh, minimalist. Uh, yeah. Don't say uh, don't say meandering because that'll trigger uh, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's a it's a it's a side ender, you guys. I mean, it's uh, it is right. Okay. It's yeah. Bookends. It's it's you know, it's the final note on you know on what's been happening so far in this, okay. this world. Okay. That's good. Steve, Steve Kilby's you know detached observations of like the modern world and comparing it to uh you know like uh, some more idealistic you know perceived okay that's that's good of, of the past you know it's it's the world of steve kilby and we're we're just kind of we just we're just in it you know well that's good that's a good way to put it because then yeah you either flip the record over it or you keep listening to the cassette in your case the stolen cassette but um well, now I, you I get... made some notes here i made some notes okay. images of wealth and nobility the color gold slow motion horses oh slow this motion. is in the instrumental you're talking about yeah yeah, yeah. oh okay almost <laughs> imagine courtly lads dancing and then it gets even slower the song quote unquote was just an intro oh okay more more of that tremolo the guitar playing sounds like a horn and then you have this synesthesia or syn anesthesia syn synth anesthesia <laughs> how much of that uh, right how far into that oh, bottle Russian, of how much of that Russian notes, vodka have I wrote you drank? these notes before I had a single sure, okay okay for me all right happy, and then okay so and then Plug says no actually sorry no not Plug I have to put this in here so um this is important trust me all so right. Peter Kopp says Happy Hunting Ground is a great mature highlight of the band for me. He says, I played violin guitar, wherein I raised the volume after striking each note. Oh, okay, okay. okay. So I didn't know exactly what that was. And I sent him a picture of a violin guitar because evidently that's a thing. <laughs> and he said, <laughs> and he said, no, no, no. Violin guitar is where you, you know, you have your guitar off, I guess, and you play a note and you turn Yeah, you swell. Off. Yeah, it's, it's a like swell. a swell for the notes swell. swells in. They make yeah. a pedal for it, a volume pedal, but they're cool. you could do it with your volume knob, uh, your guitar. Right. You so hit the Peter note with the volume down. Playing, he's playing the violin guitar while these strings are being plucked while somebody is chanting weirdly in the background. Okay, nice. I don't know That's if you true. caught that, but it's just, it's this whole thing, you know? Yeah. No, I did not. I didn't hear the people uh, chanting yeah, in the oh, background. Yeah. I, I possibly could have fallen asleep by then, but I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. Just a joke. No, right. I have fallen asleep during the song. I actually. It's have very soothing. That. No, no, because it's very soothing. It is. It's, yeah. Uh, it's beautiful. Well, here's 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 the perfect thing for you, Rob, because I know how you like to you know move it on. Yeah. Perfect. Um, sort of wake up alarm. Track six, tantalize. Right. Let's do it. Like, bam. Do it. We wake up rudely. You know what do I mean? It.
Yeah, this is a really great song. Yeah, I, would, I love the you know horns. I, would, I love the I would horns. Open the record with this. If I was them, I, this record, this is a <laughs> great. It's a great side two it opener. Is. It's that, a great side two opener. Yeah. All right, but you two like at the beginning. That's uh, uh, Edge. I, I feel like um, the the Unforgettable Fire came out like the year before this, and I feel like they were somewhat influenced by that. Well, producer, oh, yeah. producers were too. The Edge on steroids. Yeah, yeah. The producers were too. So it was not wasn't just the band. The producers it was, like, were too. So they said, "Oh, you know, okay, uh, that yeah. Sound. How do we get that yeah. sound?" But there's the the energy in this is very. Um, Echo and the Bunnymen. But it also the Echo and the Bunnymen sound. Echo and Bunnymen, New Order. It's got that, just that moving, driving 80s. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really good. But it's, and it's got a really beautiful part in the chorus where there's a, um, uh, and there's a, a, a 60s sound in it as well where like those, I, don't know, I, can't, I, I can't exactly figure out where the sound is coming from, but I'm like. Like love? Forever changes, maybe forever changes <laughs> exactly. And um, so this is a great one. It's a mover. It really goes. It's a, it's a great well, it's a great track. The horns. This whole song and especially the horns remind me of um, Colors Fly by Teardrop Explodes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Teardrop Explodes is is in there as well. Like yes, you know, um, it that was the sound then. That was you know that was. Uh, it wasn't like it was happening, you know, ten years ago. It was happening right then that these uh, right everyone was well, being I mean, influenced I guess by this so, stuff. Except that, you know, bear in mind, you know, from uh, having listened, actually, quite a few times, I listened to um, uh, your guys's um, the the first teardrop explodes. Right. That guy. Um, that was great. I loved listening to that. Who did, I loved who did that record? On. Who did the Teardrop yeah. Explodes, Rob? I forget. Yeah. But, but and, um, I, I can't remember. But someone did chide us that we didn't let him talk enough. So I guess <laughs> no, no, no. I, so, I remember that. <laughs> but he he did talk about horns. Like what? What is that? Like what are you doing? Right, right, and right. Julian Cope was like, you know, don't don't question me. Yeah. <laughs> and I That's love funny. how like the the church if they do a song that pays homage to U2 and pays homage to Teardrop Explodes and what do they include in the one song that sounds like Teardrop Explodes the very thing that 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 Julian Cope himself like got flack for was the horn the horn oh, oh right oh, okay yeah. like this is this is our takeaway from Teardrop Explodes is the horns, which should be nobody's takeaway, but it was their takeaway. Gary, All right. Gary, oh. Gary Pennington was our guest for the two. Oh, that's Express. right, Gary Pennington. Yeah, uh, yeah, that is a great episode, and that was that's a great record that a lot of people, or not a lot, of, but maybe it might have missed people's radars. But uh, very influential, influential, very influential. All right, now and this, this and this song features the quintessential shouty vocal versus croony vocal oh okay okay yeah for some reason this particular song steve kilby needs needs to alternate between the the detached croon and the the shouted vocal like i you know so i don't know right all right so here this next one i got something for you guys I, i want you to think of this before we listen to it 
I get a little Lawrence of felt vibe to the way he's saying oh, this at the start. Listen okay. to the beginning of it. Let's just do it. Okay. Disenchanted. Well, look at you. Hands full of money you always wanted to have. Saying sweet life is a downright drag. Down to the very last seat in the bag as if it's never going to end. And the scene is through. Summer slipped under in this neighborhood I'd like to hold on to you if I could But now I'm gonna have to let you go for good My disenchanted friend They say that character you play is rising fast So you get drunk, make a half second jump And experience it as a part this is it, the closer you get, the deeper you go, the tighter the net looks to me. Do you enjoy the view? They say it makes you dizzy up this time of day, till you get used to breathing rarefied air. So Rob, who does Lawrence from Felt worship? Uh, let me think. I try to remember. I've already said his name. I've already said the name. Said the name during the show. I know the answer. What's it good, Matthew? (laughs) Tom Verlaine. He worships Tom Verlaine. Oh, that's right. Yes. Okay. So So what you're hearing is also uh, Steve Kilby's uh, Tom Verlaine. Okay. Right. Damage. Okay. Yep. Barry, you are a genius because I wrote this down and I want to share this. Can I share this? Sure. Absolutely. I don't, I don't know about that very genius part, but go ahead. Yeah, he can't okay. stand shit like that, but oh, go ahead. I do want to mention that there is a mandolin buried in that mix. I just have to mention that. Excellent. Oh, okay. Okay, anyway, the call and response of Tom Verlaine's lyrics and the rest of the band, so, like television yeah reminds me of this song where uh oh so barry to be clear he thinks you're a genius because you agree with him <laughs> I, 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 i'm not arguing i'll take i'll take i'll take what i can get right i know i don't blame you <laughs> and i just want to say that this is another one of those uh steve kilby sort of judgy cautionary yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, but also but also Matthew, do you feel I feel like he's singing about someone specific in this though, like someone particular. The way cuz they the lyrics seem very pointed for him. If if you think success is its own reward, now then go and see what your persistence has scored. The voice is a calling and it can't be ignored. You might be underground, but you're overinsured. <laughs> you used you used to be unknown, now you're mapped and explored. You like to be on I think he's singing about Bono. <laughs> oh. Oh, shit. <laughs> bing, 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 bing. Uh, you know, that's just like that. Uh, only, only Steve Kilby would like rip a bunch of stuff from you two and then put them down. I hey. think I, it's just speculation, but who knows? I got no problem with that. <laughs> I mean, that was about the time where like Bono's yeah. ego was getting uh, yeah. a little bit yes. supersized. His hair was getting puffier, and so was his ego <laughs> was growing. To- ask one of your friends. Ask one of your well, best friends for the band. This is around the time they- that Bono was getting sent in to like, you know, negotiate other- peace agreements. Yes. Like, as, as yes. Like a, you know, just just talk to them, Bono. 
just right. talk to them. Yeah, let's man. let's see if we can find some middle ground here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, where where Bono's you know Bono's oversized ego started to get like super um, like political. You know what I mean? Yes. I love I love the Unforgettable Fire. I love what Brian. No, so do I. Fire. I I like. A lot of you two, I do like a lot. Record. It it's is. a yeah, beautiful it is. record. I think that actually Brian Eno should have made another record with them. But of course, you know we have the one, and that's makes it all the more like you know. I suspect. Out. I suspect that Brian Eno and you know people always look at Eno as this sort of benevolent figure, but. I don't think I think he can be very hard to deal with, and I think that um, that's why he came to blows probably with David Bowie about things, and he came to blows with Talking Heads about things, and then right. he finally settled. And then he probably, I'm guessing, you two. There's a reason they only made one record with him, and then he found a band that he could work with. Who I probably would just do what he wanted. Oh, I should add, he came to blows with Devo when they were recording. Um, oh yeah, right. Um, he found this band called James. And James, he made, I, I think, several records with James. So they must have been more simpatico as far as let's do what Brian says. Whatever Brian says goes, yeah. Um, all right, so that's uh, now speaking of the, the horns, more horns and strings as well on this one. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of Night of Light. This should have been a single, and this would have been a hit, because that chorus is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, uh, it is great chorus. The yes, way the way good. the contrast between the um, sort of once again, uh, teardrop explodes, echoing the Bunnyman ish verse, um, and the chorus, which is just breaks into this much more lush and uh, uh, emotional feeling. Um, uh, circumstance is uh, the missed opportunity this this could have been a this could have been a contender well I feel like this song is about a breakup oh yeah 
Uh, def, you know, um, she's broken down. It's raining. I'd said I'd have a look. Uncurling human tragedy, appropriately a mystery. She tells my story back to me. She said, I'll live this chapter till eternity. Yeah, but you know, his lyrics are always a little detached. So, yeah. Um, oh, I, yeah, yeah. And I get the feeling, the feeling I get as um, I, I'm, I can be a little bit perfectionistic myself is that he's probably quite perfectionistic. And then um, that comes across in the lyrics as well, in that slight detachment and that um, unwillingness to uh, uh, give up control. There's a feeling of, of control uh, throughout this record. Uh, and I'm a, Here, here's the thing. I'm not a good, I'm not a musician. I'm not a songwriter. Here's a guy who, you know, took, let's say, let's just say, you know, ostensibly a breakup and wrote an epic song about it. Right. Oh, here's my feeling about that. If I were a songwriter, that's exactly what I would do. I'm mm. not a songwriter. That's how much I hold songwriters in esteem that they can take, you know, sort of mundane kinds of, you know, day-to-day right. things that, that we experience and turn them into these, you know, epic kinds of um, sure. things. They, Night well, of Light. I mean, you have two things completely opposing each other, night and light. And your, your imagination just sort of goes wild. Like, you imagine this, like, just epic kind of, you know, night where, you know, Steve Kilby after, you know, knowing this person for a period of time, lets her go into the night. And it's just right. like, you know, for, for simple people like me, that's not what things look like. That's what the artist is for. That, that's what the artist is it's for. to make the reality. Right. Creates to this, yeah. this right. completely out of control, like, you know, epic realization of this very kind of, you know, mundane sort of uh, moment, you know, and it's just, I yep. love that. Yeah, the artist the artist is for that, and then for also complaining that someone put the meat too close to his other food. Uh, right. <laughs> I need that food. And with I want to say I love from the my quick, food. that quick strum. I don't know yeah. who's doing that. I don't know if that's Marty or Peter. Right. But that quick well, strum. That sort since of you like, talk, well, I guess it, if we know which speaker it's in, we know which one it is. Yeah, but um, there we go. also, right. I want to point out uh, some really nice strumming from. Richard Plug. Yeah. I mean, throughout, like we said, throughout the record, but uh, when it gets on that slowed down outro, uh, just some great understrated playing by uh, Richard Plug. Yes, yes. Yeah, the feel, the feel is amazing. It is. It's great. And that right. build up at the end, which, you know, I don't know if you guys play that or not. He'll play it underneath. Has He'll play that underneath. sort of like more of that regal fanfare, like horns. Uh, brings us back to sort of oh, right, like, right, right. luxurious image on the cover. Like we're always brought back to the image on the cover of like that tapestry that, yes. that um, you know, that- Yeah, that, I'm looking at it right now. Rug, right, right, very skirts, regal. You know, yes. and then we have what's happening here at the very end. We have the swooping synth. We have this overdriven guitar. We have strings and we have the tom-toms that sort of like make a reappearance from like happy hunting ground. And for me, kind of more of that love forever changes. 
Yeah. And then yeah. at the very end, trailing at the very end, we have that bell. There's this bell that sounds, I don't know what that is. Like our brain kind of like fills in the gaps like we should know what it is. It's sort of this farewell. I don't right. know what that I is. Don't rely on my, I don't rely on my brain. There is a bell. I don't rely on there my brain for stuff it like that It sounds very days. maritime, like it's like, you know, oh, a ship okay. lost at sea or something, you know. All right, well, maybe uh, call your friend, uh, one of your friends. Yeah, up. Maybe sure. They'll tell you. Some, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, all right, so now we get the, uh, the song, the aforementioned song that he wrote. Uh, co-wrote with his then girlfriend Karen Jansen, who was in the band uh, Pink Champagne. That was the band she was in, and uh, she wrote under the, the Milky Way with him as well. And this, as well, is a really, really good, really catchy song. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of Youth Worshipper. Youth Worshipper, So that's good. So hooves and horns and teeth and bones. I'm going to stitch you up when you come unsewn. So who's this about, though? This one's this one's about. Thirsting. Song, well, these are people. Uh, I don't. I, it could be about someone specific, but someone thirsting for like the uh, the the youth that they've lost. Their lost youth. And, yeah. And you know, right. Desperately trying to uh, regain their. Is lost Is that a youth. bad thing? That to do yes. that. It, it is. <laughs> it is when oh, you when okay. you have to get when they got to stitch you up and get on oh, and you got to yeah. get facelifts okay. and stuff. Right. You know. Okay. I guess. Well, see, that's the beautiful thing about Steve Kilby's lyrics, in my opinion, where, you know, he's sort of like, he, you know, he, um, he puts forth these, uh, you know, lyrics, but he doesn't really reveal specifically how he feels about it. Oh, right, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's To sure. me, that's great songwriting, like where you kind of like, you know, you're not sure if this is like, it's okay that this is how it is, or you're, you know, you have disdain and, and for how it is, it's just sort well, of... Well, he wasn't super, neutral, super, super right? young when this record came out. He was already 31 or 30 uh, when this record came oh, nice out. Oh, nice take. Nice take, Barry. So I, uh, it's interesting that he's uh, commenting on a youth uh, worshiper. Um, right, right. You know, I I uh, um, have a picture of like a, I don't know, like a Truman Capote figure or something like that. But I was looking at Truman Capote stuff today, so I may just have that stuck in my head. But someone who's, you know, or actually I thought of Lenny Riefenstahl, you know, um, that was the, uh, the, the, made the films for the Nazis. Um, there was the obs- obsession with, <laughs> obsession with physical, um, 
youth and the physical perfection was there uh, was her obsession and that's how she ended up uh, making those films for the Nazis all right I knew how to bring that fucking train to a stop no, 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 no. that makes perfect sense so Barry in this in this sort of like lens this filter that that Steve Kilby is is it's sort of commenting on the the current state of affairs of humanity. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, well, nineteen eighty-five. Sure, the eighties. Sort of like, oh my God! Look, look, here's another atrocity that humankind yeah. has like brought upon themselves, but with this sort of detached, you know, yeah, again, sure. detached yeah. sort of perspective. Yeah. Um, he's not confessing anything on this record. I don't think. No, he's not. Um. And I, I, I just want to point out, uh, I, uh, like, as we said, uh, the music, a lot of the music was composed all together and they did the music, but he does the lyrics and he is really good at putting these these words and making them fit in the songs yeah. and not sound like forced. No. But, so, but but still, there's a lot of words going in there. And there a lot are. Of, yeah. And he's really good at that. Very, <laughs> very, very uh, skilled at um you're right, making it not go where you go. God damn, it's, that's 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 awkward. You know? Right, exactly, exactly. But it's not. It it, it doesn't sound awkward. And uh, no, when you, you read find it. yourself you find yourself tapping your toe. Yeah, for and sure. Snapping your fingers. <laughs> yeah. To literally the most obtuse lyrics. Right. Right. Youth, right. You, listen to this. Youth worshipper wrapped in blue fox and ermine. Youth worshipper got no pity for vermin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but the way he says it, it just sounds it's beautiful. Yeah. He says it like, you know, you know what I'm Ermin. talking about. You guys yeah, know. I'm gonna, exactly. I'm going to write no ermine. Trouble. No trouble. And vermin. All right. So now we get the final song of the record. Uh, starts with a vaguely Middle Eastern uh, vibe, which it seems like a it's going to be the song, but then it, uh, but then it um, goes into uh, something else. So let's listen to the final song, Roman.
So, Barry, did you notice it's deceptive? Because I thought the same thing that, oh, there's not really distorted guitars on this. But there is when the guitars come in. They're distorted yeah, pretty good. Yeah. But you, you, don't, you just don't think of it as that. No, because when you're it's, all, the record. it's very, um, it's very, it's all very sonically pleasing. And it still the, has that sheen over sheen. it, even the distorted guitars. Yeah. <laughs> and the song that this, I was looking at the dates because I was like, I, I know where this comes from, the sound of it. And I went and looked, and it's um, the song Old Man Kenzie by R.E.M. All Fables. Okay. Is very... I have something to say about that. Okay, go. Okay. In 1985, when this album came out, these were the alternative rock albums of 1985. Replacements, Tim, Who's Do New Day Rising, Jesus and Mary Chain, Psycho Candy, Dinosaur Jr., first album, and... Fables of the Reconstruction. Right. Ah, there you go. Well, time-wise, Fables came out in June, and um, Heyday came out in November of 85. So, but there's just, the similarities are are pretty striking. It, there's a descending guitar line in there, and he's playing a Rickenbacker. And so, it's it's got, and it's got one of the same chord changes. I'm still not sure that those that they're that one is related to the other, and it's not just uh, coincidence that these guys were. Because another band that didn't get mentioned at all that we should have brought up. Because when you talk about twelve-string electric guitar, um, the Birds are the you know the um, the beginning of all of that, and so. You listen to enough Birds records, and then you end up making an REM record, or you end up making a church album, it turns out. So um, those things, uh, uh, they're pretty close together. And uh, But the first time I heard this song, I was like, man, that's that's Old Man Kenzie. But uh, maybe not. Maybe just, to, you know, people all listening to Birds records and uh, coming up with the same ideas. Well, I do want to say I love the fanfare, the regal intro. So I think there's a lot of things throughout this record that tie the record together thematically. Yeah. Um, well, this th has got some word. religious, definitely some religious Christian. Was the song? You know, the. Um, see, I think this one I see as a relationship, uh, as a metaphor for, for like war. He's doing like war and a relationship. Uh, the same thing. Okay. As song. All right. That's what I think. Okay. Oh, well, whatever, know. whatever is happening, Steve Kilby is basically, I feel like he's traveling through time in a time machine. Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I, by I understand the end that. Of the yeah, record, I, I get he's that. He's gone way back in time yeah, to Roman I, times. I, I get that. Yes. Right. And then he's, and then, when he says, I'm never coming back again, like he ends the record, he's piecing out. Yeah, he's man. He's like, I've seen enough. Yeah. I've been there. I've had enough. I'm piecing out. I'm done. Peace. <laughs> That's good. I like that. That's good. It's like, you know, he's like the cosmic time traveler. He's just like yeah. moving through time to, yeah. to the time of the Romans, yeah. to the time of Columbus. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. the time of like, you know, plastic right. surgery. He's like seen it all and he's just like beleaguered. He's just, you know, 
I think you're. I think me, you're that's right. That's the theme of this record: is Steve Kilby, the time traveler, making observations about you know modern modern times, and then here he ends with just sort of like. I'm never coming back again as the song fades out. Well, we should. We well, one thing we, we didn't talk about the title of the album is Heyday. And Heyday is referring to a period in the past of some of thing or person when they were at their peak. And so um, perhaps that's, uh, you know, that, that if you lay that template over the entire uh, record, Heyday. Um, the heyday of Western society, the heyday of, uh, um, of relationships. Um, the heyday of a band. The heyday of a band, for sure. And, yeah. this is, and this is what Richard Plug said, and I feel like I need to share this. He says, yes, this was the peak of our Paisley period. Yeah. To the extent, here's a story, to the extent that whenever we saw a thrift store, we would physically hold each other back from getting in there first. <laughs> and buy, the victor, buy more Paisley, Paisley yeah. shirts. Yeah. The victor claiming the choice fine. Yeah, okay. Just and then, one more. Peter was searching for a particular shirt for the shoot, for the cover. Yep. yep. Oh, right. And chose, and chose one of mine. Peter Cops wanted to wear a polka dotted shirt, but he actually ended up wearing one of Richard Kluge shirts. Right. He and they probably. Most of the time, the guys would hold me back from getting in the store because I was usually the fastest in. Ah, uh, okay. That's he funny. Says, Sometimes, if I wasn't driving, I guess the tour van, I don't know. Yeah, sure. If I wasn't driving, I would even jump out of the van while it was still in motion. <laughs> get first dip. Happy face emoji. That's great. That is, that's great. And I could picture someone holding up a shirt and going, oh, this is a, a kid's shirt. And then Steve Kilby going, uh, mine. I can, I can fit in there. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I wanted to say it was one of the videos, one of the uh, few videos that they made for um, songs from Heyday. And, you know, everyone is sort of looking off in the distance and looking, you know, um, uh, slightly... Uh, you know, disengaged. You as bands, as bands did the in the eighties, yeah. yeah. And and Richard Plug, whenever the camera is on him, he's just smiling. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't get he's, the memo. He didn't get the memo. <laughs> the moody yeah. memo. And, and I kind of, I kind of get that from my correspondence with him. That is just, he was just smiling all the way through his. Well, good for him. Good, right. good for him. All yeah. right. So Matthew, this was a this was a great, a surprising record. Like it, I said, it was. Very, I agree. Uh, yeah, definitely was that it was really good, really enjoyable, uh, enjoyable listen, and you were an enjoyable guest, and you uh, oh, stayed you. sober and coherent throughout. So what what more can Which we ask for? Barry? Right, because we never are really either yeah, of those and things. <laughs> um, I don't even I'm, know. I'm the designated. You you're know, the, the de designated. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you yeah, you're no. right. Well, Rob. So what are we talking about? What's our next album? I don't even know because you you keep throwing things. We got extra episodes, so I have no idea. I okay. I, I literally have no idea what we're doing. You um, tell me. Uh, Bob Fay, uh, one yes. of uh, uh, from Sebado, has picked an album that is the least politically correct album 
ever recorded. <laughs> it's an album. It's only right and natural by the Frogs, and it is um, a challenging and hilarious masterpiece, and is a beloved record by many, many, many people. Including, okay. So, including uh, Kurt Cobain, I saw. I <laughs> of course, of course, it has well, to get the Kurt Cobain seal of approval. It, it certainly did, and I tell you, the original person who wanted to come on the show and talk about it and then backed out was our good buddy Kramer was interested in talking oh. about this. But, oh you know, well, uh, oh, well. Bob, Bob's going to get it instead. So okay, good. All right, and uh, don't forget if you want to become a patron of the show, like our newest patron Todd Phillips and all our great patrons, you go to where Barry. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash T-R-G-M-H. And become a patron. We'd really appreciate it. All right, so that's it. We're all done. Thanks again, Matthew, for being on the show. Yeah, thank you, we Matthew. Will, we will see you guys next fun. week. All right, we are miss. out of here. How could I miss you with your drugs? Out of the mess. How could I miss you with your druggy ways? Out of the mess. Out of the mist Out of the mist I kissed your lovely drug-filled lips You sleazy prostitute Where's your Your pimp friend Where's your pimp friend and your priest As he stood there And lectured to me On how I should live about Fucking priest with a yeast infection. A drug problem that never existed. Out of the mist, I kissed your drug-filled lips. 